Did you know uh, many missionaries uh, who went to Korea about 130 years ago, uh, many of them were young, uh, they were uh, young people. Uh, for example, Horace Underwood, he was first ordained Presbyterian pastor missionary uh, who went to Korea 1885. He was only 26 years old. First Methodist missionary named Henry Appenzeller uh, happened to actually ride the same boat with the Underwood. He was only 27. First medical doctor missionary from Presbyterian Church in the United States, John Heron, uh, he was only uh, 27. Uh, you probably heard the guy named Robert Thomas. He was from uh, England. He was the first missionary who stepped in the land of Korea and uh, get killed by the soldier. He couldn't even do anything, but just first day he landed on the Korea, he got killed. He became the first martyr of Korea. He was only 26. For what? Why? 130 years ago, the young man and woman of God went and went and went and gave their life. For what? Don't you wonder? For what? Uh, Dr. Stephen Linton, uh, he had a very in interesting background. Uh, he came to our church and shared uh, the message. He was the interpreter of uh, uh, President Carter when he visited North Korea because he spoke fluent Korean. But some of you guys met him, right, Dr. Linton? He's the president of the NGO called uh, Eugene Bell. His grandparents, both both of them served Korea many years ago as a first, one of the first missionaries. And he shared, when he visited us many years ago, related to his grandmother's, you know, grandmother's story. When, she, when his grandmother was in 20s, in America, so many young Christians, they wanted to go to mission field. So they applied to the mission agencies. And you know what? Back in those days, they had to have the waiting list because so many of them volunteered, so many of them applied to go to mission. And the average of lifespan in a mission field was only three years. Not that they served the mission field and come back in three years. They just lost their life in, in the mission field in three days, three years. That's average. But so many of them, young, young people, brilliant, uh, college educated, they just went and went and went to the mission field. Why? For what? That's my question. They went because they knew the power of the gospel. They went there because of gospel. Evangelion, the good news. Uh, Paul defined uh, gospel this way. I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes, first for the Jews, then to the Gentiles. Because of part of gospel. You know, gospel has power for the salvation. Whoever believes this gospel, whoever received this gospel, you will have salvation. For that reason, many young people 
Even today, many uh, servants of the Lord preach the word of God, try spreading this word to the ends of the earth. Today's text actually is a continuation of what I, uh, of my previous sermon. I don't think you remember, right? I can't even remember. I have to look back, you know, like, oh, what did I say? Remember Paul and Barnabas, they went uh, to this place called Pisidian Antioch. You know, they probably took, I mean, they took the ship, and they probably took camel, maybe horses. Uh, they walk countless days and, and, and hours to uh, reach this place called Physidian Antioch. And on the Sabbath, uh, this is what uh, the Paul's strategy of mission. They always visit, whenever they visit the, church, the, the city, they always visit the synagogue, temple, on the Sabbath, and, and they, they worship. And part of worship is this. You know, they have order, right, just like ours, and, and uh, they read the scripture together, prophet, the Pentateuch, uh, then uh, one guy read the, pray, the, the prayers, and, and after reading another uh, prophet, the synagogue ruler asked, does anyone have a word of the encouragement here? And Paul was sitting in the back and said, he stood up and hey, I have it, I have one. And he, he began to speak, he began to talk. When he talked, he, he, it was a different message that the congregation heard. It was a part of the gospel. Because he, he spoke about the gospel. Everything that you heard today while you were worshiping God, all the prophets, all the penitents, all the uh, law, Jesus Christ was, was prophesied for this Messiah, and Messiah is Jesus Christ. In him, there is salvation. He came, yet we reject him. But whoever believed him, you have eternal life. You know, he boldly shared the message. And some of them welcomed the message. They received the message. They got blessed. Some of them, they reject them. You know, whenever gospel is preached, this is what's going to happen. Whenever gospel is preached, even today, this is what's going to happen. God gives grace. As Paul and Barnabas were leaving the synagogue, the people invited them to speak further these things on the next Sabbath. They hold him, hey, can you speak for us again next, next Sabbath? What did he, he and Paul and Barnabas uh, say following week? Probably the same thing. They share the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. God's grace. What is grace, by the way? What is grace? Grace is God's unconditional love. given to undeserved sinners. That's what grace is, right? We don't deserve salvation. We don't. We are not. We're so dirty. We're so filthy. We're, so, we're sinners. Yet, grace was given. And gospel reveals the grace. Gospel gives grace. You know, gospel has the, the power of God's salvation to those who believe, receive the grace. God gives grace. Whenever the gospel is preached, God gives grace. There's no indication that Paul and Barnabas performed the miracles in this passage. 
They simply receive the word of the Lord. Whenever the gospel is preached, Jesus Christ is manifested and they receive the grace. Verse 43, when the congregation was dismissed, many of Jews and devout converts to Judaism followed Paul and Barnabas, who talked with them and urged them to continue in the grace of love. I like the way they, uh, Paul and Barnabas say, you just received the grace today, right? So won't you continue to abide in the grace? That was the message. And following Sabbath, they gather again. And verse 44 says, on the next Sabbath, almost the whole city gathered to hear the word of God. I think Luke, the author of the book of Acts, I think he's kind of literally exaggerating his point here, right? Is there any that temple picking up the whole, you know, whole, almost whole uh, city people? Maybe not. But he's telling audience, hey, gospel is that kind of power. You know, the gospel they will receive is that powerful. So my prayer is this. Whenever we gather together, you know, uh, whenever we worship God, I've, I, thank you so much. I mean, we got a, another Nobel play, uh, based today. You know Nobel, right? Yeah. She's our uh, intern youth uh, pastor. Yeah. Just like Janet, intern pastor. We have uh, another. Yeah. And whenever we praise God, th- this is my prayer. Gospel is presented. Gospel is proclaimed. Whenever we even offer, you know, the liturgies and prayers, this is the word of God. This, this is my prayer. Whenever we read the scripture together, that Jesus is manifesting to us. Whenever I share the message, you don't have to worry about my language skill. <laughs> no, no, no. Just you got to seek and find Jesus Christ, right? Because for that matter, we are here. We're not here to entertain ourselves. I mean, you guys have far better place to go, but you are here, right? Single reason that we exalt Jesus Christ. That we experience the word of God. So whenever gospel is preached, God gives us grace. Let's not talk about law, legalism. Some of the church, they're still holding on to, you know, that law and try to force people, which they even couldn't bear, you know, carry. No, no, no. Gospel is so clear. You cannot save yourself. Therefore, Christ has to come. And that is amazing grace. We don't deserve anything, but God has shown us the grace. What you need is simple, you know, Receiving heart, acceptance heart, welcoming heart. So when gospel preach, God gives us grace. Second point, when gospel preach, jealousy, jealous and persecution can be raised. Some of them welcome the message, some of them reject them, right? And verse 45 says, oh, too fast. 45, when the Jews saw the crowd, they were filled with jealousy and the talk abusively against what Paul was saying. Why? Why jealous? I thought about two things. First, when Paul suggested anyone can be saved simply believing Jesus Christ, you know, like, you can become child of God simply believing Jesus Christ. 
to them, to Jews, that's not fair. We, we've been doing so many, follow so many rituals and regulations. We have to memorize so many, you know, they, they have to memorize the whole book of, five, five, five book of the law, right? To become a Jew. But just simply believing Jews, you can be saved? That's not fair. They probably say that. Many years ago, uh, with Messianic uh, Jews friend, uh, you know, Messianic Jew means they still, they are kind of Jews as, as, as a, they're born as a Jews, but uh, they became, they started to believe Jesus is the Messiah. So they are Christians, but still keeping on their kind of tradition. And Messianic Jew friends and our KM elders, kind of couples, we went to Israel. We wanted to learn from them and, you know, we want to visit the place where it uh, appears in the Bible. And on that trip, uh, one of Messianic friends' daughter became 13 years old. And they celebrate Bar Mitzvah, right? My goodness, I learned something on the day. We, we celebrate together with, the, with them, with her. They were doing middle of the day. It was so hot. Summer, middle of the day. And ceremony was very long. And they had to wear these kind of gowns and they have this scroll. I think it's the word of God. And they carry them and read it from there. And oh my goodness, I was so glad that day I was born as Gentile. I was so happy I have received the gospel. I don't have to go through all this regulation and this, you know, like, I'm not good at memorization to have to memorize all this book of law. I mean, that's my point of view, right? But they, from their point of view, hey, you guys just become a Christian just simply believing Jesus? That's not fair. They might say that, right? And, and also, they were jealous because they think that Paul and Barnabas had what they didn't have. For example, I'm not jealous about uh, what people have, like material stuff. Sometimes I do, but you know, that's not really my concern that much. But I do. I can be jealous uh, someone who has a gift of teaching and preaching. Then I say, oh, my goodness, that guy has something I don't have. For religious Jews, Paul's preaching was very different, right? I mean, he attracts so many people, like whole crowd of the you know, like city people, they came to hear him. So maybe that can, that can be one of the reasons. Not only they had a jealousy, but they persecuted them. And verse 50 says, but the Jews inside the God-fearing woman of high standing and the leading man of the city, they stirred up persecution against Paul and Barnabas, and they expelled them from the religion. But I was thinking, as I was meditating this passage, would they know that what they were doing? You know, actually, they were actually being used by Satan. That's how I see this passage. But would they know that they were being used by Satan? Probably not. Whenever gospels preach, there is always persecution. Persecution always takes place. Why is that? Why is that? 
You know why? Because it is a spiritual, spiritual battle. It is a spiritual matter. That's why. We have to be aware of our spiritual role. According to World Evangelical Encyclopedia, since the death of Jesus 2,000 years ago, 43 million Christians have become martyrs. 43 million. Can you believe the number? Oh my goodness, 43 million? Over 50 of these were in the last century alone. More than 200 million Christians face persecution each day, 60% of whom are children. Every day, over 300 people are killed for their faith in Jesus Christ. Don't you wonder why Christians are being hated by these people? It's not simply people just hate Christians. It is more than that. I believe it is resistance to the truth from the influence of Satan. That's how I see it. So, as a church, you have to, we have to expect the opposition whenever the gospel is preached. Last point, when gospel is preached, new life begins. I like this point. Gospel offers a new life. When Paul said, you Jews reject the gospel, so now this gospel is going to Gentile. Look how the Gentile will respond. Verse 48, when the Gentiles heard this, they were glad and honored the word of the Lord. And all who were appointed for eternal life believed. They were glad. They honored the word. And another verse 40, 52 says, even, even you know, Paul and Barnabas, they were expelled from this religion. The disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. Those people received the word of God. They were filled with joy. And I want to ask you this question. Do you have the joy in your heart today? Do you have joy in your heart today? You know the difference between happiness and joy, right? Happiness, uh, when something happens to you, uh, you can be happy. But joy is a different thing. Regardless of the situation that you are in, you can still maintain joy, right? And that kind of joy. Do you have the joy in your heart today? Have you ever heard a story called a Misery Dinner? Uh, there was a father who uh, came home with bad news. Uh, one of his business partners took away all his you know, like company money and then away. So he has crossed down his business. When father announced that news, mother went out and sold one of her jewelry and bought the food and threw the party. And other members were like, Mom, what are you doing? You know what mother said? This is what she said. The time for joy is now, when we need it most. Not next week. That's what she said. And her courageous, the act, uh, encouraged the family. For us Christians, we can keep the joy no matter what. Why? Because we have joy in our hearts, right? Because we have hope. We have light in us. We have Jesus in us. There's a famous quote, there's not enough darkness in the, in the world to put out the light of one candle. There's not enough darkness in the world to put out the light of one candle. If you have Jesus in your heart, you have light.
because he's light of the world. I, I want to read this passage for 48 once again. When the Gentiles heard this, they were glad and honored the word of the Lord and who were appointed for eternal life. What is eternal life here? Appointed for eternal life. Believed. What is eternal life? By definition, eternal life means, eternal means having a new life in new era offered by Jesus. That's what eternal life is. Having a new life in a new era offered by Jesus, starting from the moment that you believe. N.T. Wright, one of the uh, New Testament scholars, he said eternal life is life of God's new age. Life of God's new, that's what eternal life means. And as he explained John 3.16, famous passage John 3.16, he said, God gave his son so that everyone who believes in him should not be lost, but should, have, should share life of God's new age. That's what life, eternal life is. Imagine that you replace uh, your dying old car engine with a new engine. It's not the same. When you start, you probably have a different sound of the engine, right? It's not the life that we used to have. It's different life. Some of you guys heard, uh, like, not yesterday, but the, the Saturday, uh, about a week ago, I had a phone call from uh, one of our pastoral uh, pastor's wife that uh, the pastor passed away. He, he, he had a struggle with the cancer. And when I received the phone call, my heart was very heavy. And I had to drive uh, Diamond Bar. And on the way, I was like, oh, God, what, what do I share? When I get there, I have to lead the you know, worship. And what do I share to the family members? Then, after, like, when I get there, and, and I sense the peace of God was there. So I could, you know, we were singing and praising God, and we worshiped God, because he really lived the life for the Lord. He was a pastor and, you know, gave himself, though he died at a young age, uh, we were, I was happy. Then after, uh, the service, uh, on the way coming back, this thought came into my mind. He entered into eternal life. And all of a sudden, this hope just like coming just at me. I was like, wow. You know, like on the coming, going to the place, I had a heavy heart. But after worship and coming back, I was like, wow, Lord, yes, this is it. This is what eternal life is. You know, we, when we give our life to Christ, we begin to have brand new life, right? And life began at that moment, and we continue to walk with Him. We continue to live under His grace, not as our effort, but He's under grace. We live, I mean, by guiding of His Holy Spirit, leading, He's leading us, right? Then He's going to lead us into the another era, another age, which is in heaven. That, that, Assurances came into my heart so strongly that day. I was so happy. Wow, yes, this is it. Nothing can uh, discourage us. Nothing can discourage us. 
Then you might ask, how come I don't experience that? How come I don't live that kind of life? If that is you, uh, you got to apply that truth into your life. Uh, let, let me try to explain that. Uh, there was, uh, there was a soap manufacturer and preacher of the gospel. They had a talk. And this soap maker, you know what he said to the preacher? The gospel you preach has not done much good, for there is still a lot of wickedness and thousands of wicked people. The preacher was silent a while, but he noticed there was a guy who was you know, a little kid playing in the dirt, and, and, and he said, soap has not done much good in the world either, for there is still much dirt and ever so many dirty people. The soap, the, the soap manufacturer said, soap is only useful when it is applied. The preacher said, exactly. Knowing the gospel doesn't mean anything. You know, we heard about gospel so many times, but just knowing it doesn't mean anything. We got to apply the truth. Apply the truth. Then you will begin to see, wow, gospel has a power. You know, you, you probably saw uh, this the Wuhan uh, Christians. Have you seen that video? These guys, I mean, people are dying, but these Christians, they were contacting people and actually spreading, you know, giving, giving away the free mask and uh, track, gospel track to them. They've been doing it for the past 10 years, but they're still doing it. I said, isn't that too dangerous? That's how powerful gospel is. I want, I want to make that point. Let me ask you once again, do you have joy in your heart? I hope and pray you may say, yes, because I have Jesus in my heart. Let's pray together. Lord, we heard uh, so many times. That's why... Sometimes, Father God, we, the message is not really touching our heart. Uh, Father, I ask uh, your grace maybe manifest us today. So when we think about you, Lord God, let this gospel message maybe uh, that we may believe that truth and live. In it, Father God. Without applying this truth in our lives, there's no power. We know that, Lord. So help us to not only know the truth, but live by the truth, Lord, so that your power may be manifest to us, through us, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.